You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, editor of the E2C Network, and I have brought my partner in crime alongside with me, Clint Richardson, to discuss the Maui Invitational for the Auburn men's basketball team coming out of the tournament 2-1 and one, with wins over Arizona and Xavier and narrowly, just narrowly, uh, falling to the Duke Blue Devils, the number one seeded Duke level, Devils. Um, in the tournament, we're going to break it all down, discuss all the storylines, the exciting things and stats from it. Uh, but Clint, it's been a fun holiday season and uh, I'm ready to discuss this tournament with you. Aloha. <laughs> I had no clue that you were going to bust out with Aloha there. It caught me a little bit <laughs> off guard. Oh, man. Uh, I've got plenty of quotes from that Arizona game that I could just throw out and nobody know what I'd be talking about. Uh, you know, I hadn't even thought about that angle of things to discuss for us yet, and you're gonna. Want, <laughs> we might actually, if I'm, I'm really tempted to just jump right into that part. But let's let's save that to the end because that's probably the the most funny and interesting part about this whole tournament. We can discuss that in a second here. So we're gonna try and do this in our normal time frame. So that means we gotta discuss three games and a game preview in about thirty or so minutes. So let's jump right into it, and we'll discuss the first game: Auburn defeated the Xavier Musketeers 88-79 to in Game 1 of the Maui Invitational, and this one went to overtime. Now, Clint, does that sound familiar at all, Auburn and Xavier in overtime? Yep. Um, you know, outside of that one trip that I decided to make to Cincinnati, these two teams have had some pretty good matchups over the last couple of years. They definitely have, and so I'm really loving – uh, that the storyline continues for these two teams. Now, granted, I had hoped that that would have been a game Auburn might have been able to run away with just a little bit and have a little bit of extra time to rest up for Duke. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. And it amounted to an exciting game. So there's, it's not like we can complain that it resulted in a win. Um, I will say this, though. I think what you saw in this Xavier game was going to be some of the frustrations that happened throughout the tournament for Auburn with some poor shooting to start off of this. Now, our defense was there and was looking good, and I can say the same for Xavier as well, but I think we definitely saw this poor shooting start here and not – it got better at times, but I think it kind of permeated throughout the whole tournament. Would you agree? Yeah, and it's – you know, Auburn just seems to struggle taking their game on the road, and I don't know – why that is if Auburn's got some special, you know, super soft or super hard rims on the Auburn arena um, goals or, or what. But Auburn just, and it's been like that for years. Auburn doesn't do very well on the road, and it takes them a little while to get their legs. And that was just the case flying up to uh, Maui. And, you know, they just, like you said, they just struggled to get anything going. And, you know, thankfully, Auburn really got on a roll towards the end of the the second half against Xavier and, and even into overtime. Well, the interesting thing about that too, Clint, is that, you know, usually when someone shoots poorly, you think, oh, and especially on the road, you think it's the environment, they're nervous. I never got the impression that the stage was too big for Auburn. You know, they were obviously new in this kind of arena, this new um, feeling of being with all these top programs, but they didn't seem intimidated. So it just felt like the shots, the comfortability was off, and that's all it amounted to. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it, I really thought going into this game or into this tournament that Auburn was truly the odd one out name-wise. This this tournament had a lot of really powerful Auburn or um, college basketball program names, and Auburn just wasn't them. And it was going to be really interesting to see where Auburn fell and played in this tournament and if they could play up to that talent. And, you know, they, they surprised me with how they played, and I think they surprised a lot of people throughout the country. And, and definitely – the stage was not too big for them, and they, they proved it and proved that they belong in the discussion with the lights of Xavier, Duke, Arizona, and the rest of these teams. And they definitely did. They definitely woke some people to the fact that this team is legitimate. We'll talk about how they proved that in the next game in just a second here. A couple of stats to uh, get you guys started for this game here for team-wise. Field goal percentage, we had 45% from the field, 31% from three-point land, and 71%. From the free throw line. Now, Clint, you look at those numbers, and we said poor shooting to start off the show, but I don't really see that indicated there in the stats-wise, but I think if you kind of took everything as a whole, you really would see that Auburn did not shoot well as a team overall. Now, where you see the shooting get a lot better is when you look at it on an individual basis with Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, 25 points for Harper, 26 for Bryce Brown. And we've seen them quietly lead this team with some you know, regular points and amounts of points for, for guards in earlier games. But this is the game where they finally broke out and started shooting really well. So you talk about bad shooting percentages, but that's really just from the, the first half of that game. You know, Auburn shot in the mid-30s in the first half, but in the second half, we're shooting 50% from the field. And that, you know, that, that evens it out pretty well, I think. But, you know, this was... This was a game that Auburn needed the guards to take over, and and you definitely saw that with Jared Harper and Bryce Brown going for 25 and 26 points, and and you know Xavier was a really big team, and they had a lot of good shooters who were who were pretty big, and you know Auburn just stayed right in line with them, and just you know neither team could really get a run going, and and that just made for a really fun and entertaining game. Yeah, so with those two doing great offensively, but the team as a whole not doing probably as good as they normally would, you had to have an area that they did do well to push them over this victory in overtime, and that is the area of the defense. Here's some stats for you that on, on that case. Turnover-wise, Auburn only committed 12. Xavier, 22. That's quite a discrepancy there. Blocks, Auburn had 7. Xavier only had 3. Steals 10 for Auburn, 7 for Xavier, and then points off turnover, Clint. Let's look at this margin right here. 31 points off of turnovers for Auburn, only 10 for Xavier. That's the difference in the game for me. Oh, absolutely. And Auburn just just made the Musketeers pay when they turned it over. And that's what you want to see this Auburn team do. And I think that's what Bruce Pearl teams have been really good at in previous years. And, you know, with... I think Auburn did a really good job of, um, you know, rewarding the big guys. Austin Wiley had 11 points, even though he was, you know, fouled out and only played 19 minutes because of foul issues. But, you know, you you need to let those kind of players take over and get into their, you know, their dominating routines, and and that's what Auburn did. And and you know, you've got Horace Spencer pulling down five rebounds. Chumo Kiki probably had one of the best games of his career with foul trouble and pulled down 
seven rebounds, and you know Auburn just Auburn just wasn't going to get pushed around in this game. Yeah, and again, this goes back to not being intimidated by the stage. Before we move on to the next game, though, we do have to give a shout-out, and you've already mentioned his name, but my favorite player on this team, the sixth man, and I think there's going to be hard push to have someone else be el- to be even in the ballpark with him the way he's starting out this season. Horace Spencer proves crucial in the clutch in overtime to beat Xavier with foul trouble on Chuma Okiki, uh, on Anthony McLemore, and Austin Wiley. Horace Spencer steps up, makes some key blocks, some key rebounds, and he is just a star when the time arises for him. Yeah, and what's so much fun about Horace's gameplay is he doesn't play to light up the stat sheet. This game, he went 0 for 2 from the field, but ended up with two points, no assists, no fouls, no turnovers, five rebounds, like we said earlier, and 19 minutes on the field, on the court. And he just makes his presence felt. And, you know, at, there was a point in this game, and I don't know if you noticed it, but, you know, Auburn loves to run man. And there was a time that Horace <laughs> is carting his guy <laughs> on the wing. And, I mean, Horace even threw up a couple of three-pointers in this tournament, which yeah. I, I don't ever want to see that again. But it's so weird seeing <laughs> such a tall and lanky guy as in Horace Spencer, playing basketball, you know, 25 feet from the goal. Here, here's a good question for you, Clint. Who would you rather see shoot a three-pointer, Horace Spencer or Simeon Bowers? So, <laughs> any day. <laughs> we love you, Horace, and you were crucial in this tournament, not just this game, but yeah, I have to agree. That's a, It's not the best looking three-point shot that I've ever seen in my life. So we'll hopefully he'll keep it inside the arc from now on. Uh, moving on to the next game, and honestly, how many times can you say this? The game of the week, and much less, or even more, the game of the year so far for college basketball was Auburn versus Duke. Number one versus number eight in the m- premier tournament of the early basketball season. We don't get to say that often, Clint. How exciting is that? It's so much fun. And I think it was, I think it was through that Xavier game, they showed a graphic of tournament appearances for all the teams in the Maui Invitational. And that, that was Auburn's first appearance. It was Xavier's first appearance. But I think that was like the 15th appearance for Duke. And they're, they're a multiple time champion of the tournament. And I mean, Duke is one of the first teams that come to mind when you think of college basketball. There's a reason that they're always in the fight for conference and, and national titles. Duke is one of the premier programs in this league and Auburn fought so hard. And you can, you know, there was some complaining about the officiating and much of it warranted much of it. Auburn didn't play as well as they could have at times, but I mean, Auburn just, even though they dubbed themselves a hole early on, they continue to fight they weren't getting pushed around by, you know, Zion Williams and uh, the number one team in the country. They were they were there to prove something, and I think that Auburn really earned a lot of respect throughout the country, and um, you know, really showed that that gap between top programs and Auburn is really close. Right. You know, it's. I really thought that this game would really show how wide that gap was, that Auburn wasn't going to be able to compete for a full 40 minutes and, you know, struggle to make it close towards the end of the game. 
and, and Auburn proved me wrong, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, and that's the surprising thing about this. We all expected, I think, what you know happened in a certain other sport uh, that we're talking right after here, where it you know they fought and fought and fought, but the other team was just a lot better, and and pulled away in a drastic fast fashion. But they just never did. It's whenever it seemed like Duke was just getting out too far away from Auburn, Auburn came back and threw another punch. And was right there at the end. So the final score, seventy-eight to seventy-two, should sh- tell you everything that you want to know. Granted, that last three points was a last-minute three-pointer at the end that kind of made it look even a little bit more closer. But that nine-point deficit seemed to be kind of hanging there the entire time, and Duke could just never get away from that. But neither could Auburn. So I kind of look as that nine-point gap as the difference between Auburn and Duke right now in terms of a program. And I think it's a very fair and honest way to assess this program right now. They're ready to compete, but they're not ready to be the best yet. And that should be very encouraging and exciting for us as Auburn fans. And I think that's where you see a lot of the hype and excitement around the team right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Auburn, like you said, is not ready to be a top five team in the country, but I think that they're easily in the discussion to be in the top 15, top 20. Um, you know, I think that eighth ranking is, is generous. Um, I don't think it's wrong though, but you know, it, it was only nine points and the way Auburn started, it, it could have been worse. Yeah. And when you look at it, you know, Jared Harper was six or 10 and Bryce Brown was four at 13 beyond the three point arc. You know, that's, I mean, you're only two or three shots away from making this a really tight game. And, I mean, with five minutes left, with almost six minutes left in the first half, Duke led by as much as 17. Now, how many Auburn teams in the past would have just rolled over at that point? Right. But this Auburn team, you know, with all the experience that they gave gathered last year, what they're fighting for this season, the unfinished mentality that they've inspired this team with, this team's not going to bat down from 17 points. They're not going to bat down from nine. And, and and whether it's the number one recruit coming out of high school in Zion Williams or, or you know, just the number one draft pick prospect for Duke, it doesn't matter. Auburn's not afraid. They are definitely are not. And you, you have every reason to be afraid of someone like Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett. And they had pretty decent games. I will say that I was a little underwhelmed with Zion Williamson and all the hype that surrounds him. But it's just one game, and I didn't watch the eventual championship game there, so I don't know how well he did there. But in terms of big names, the big name for Auburn on the team is Austin Wiley. And he had a great game against Duke. 17 points, 7 for 11 from the field, 9 rebounds, almost a double-double in only 19 minutes. And I think that's where part of the reason you saw Auburn finally getting respected, too, was everyone realizing that, oh, Austin Wiley is back, and he is good. And this should be very encouraging for us as Auburn fans for to see a type of game like this from him on such a big stage. Well, I know you always are falling in love with the center's baby hook yes. shot. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I enjoyed watching Wiley pull off the pick and roll. And, oh my gosh, it was so pretty. And, and you know, usually with Auburn centers, they've got those big guys that, that can't really finish it. I know Wiley struggled in a couple of games two years ago to, you know, finish the play and grab those points. But he made it look so effortless against Duke. And... Just, just he wanted that win. I think more than anybody else on that court, and and it really showed in the way he played. And 
you know, 17 points and nine rebounds just doesn't show how well Austin Wiley played against Duke. Do you still hold firm to your prediction that Auburn will see Duke again by the end of the season? I do. I think you're right. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic and trying to build up the the storyline here for this thing. But this game to me felt like so many of these sports movies where you see the the team that's not supposed to be doing that well or are supposed to be in this position at this point. And they meet this juggernaut and they don't win, but they kind of have a decent game against them. And it's just setting up for a rematch. And doggone it, Clint, if I don't believe it now too, you've got me believing that we're going to see Duke again and it's going to turn out differently. I don't know if it's just the way Auburn basketball is playing, what it is, but it's just, I feel so hopeful for this team right now based off this Duke game. And I think we as Auburn fans should just celebrate this fact that the six-point differential between Auburn and Duke occurred, and it's going to be so much more exciting. Yeah, and, you know, you see a lot of people who fight the, you know, moral victory route or anything, and and I I tend to agree with that, but I don't think this is a moral victory. This is, you know, for all the stuff that Auburn basketball and Auburn fans have put up with over the last decade and a half of mediocrity and, you know, I mean, heck, Auburn was supposed to open the Auburn Arena in 2010 with Jeff Levo as coach against North Carolina, his alma mater, and then Levo gets fired. Auburn plays UNC Asheville instead and loses in the opening game at Auburn Arena. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's that kind of thing that's really haunted Auburn basketball over the years. And to come out to play Duke, a team I think they said Auburn was 0-4 against coming into that game, yeah. you know, to play them as tightly as you did, and again, to show just how tight the gap is between those kind of tiers of programs, I think that just says a lot about Auburn basketball, the job that Coach Pearl has done, and that the future is just bright. You know, you can you can claim it a moral victory all you want, but I think that this is just a proving ground yeah. for what this team has done and is capable of doing. I agree with you completely there, Clint. I think a moral victory doesn't do justice to what this means for this program because it's not a moral victory. This was our coming to the forefront and saying, we are here and we're not going away, so get used to it. Uh, so get get used to it, Auburn fans, because you're going to see a lot more of this. doesn't mean we're going to have some bumps along the way. We definitely will because we're still figuring it out. But the future does look bright for this season. Um, so Duke would go on to lose to the number three team in Gonzaga for the Maui Invitational. I don't think many people saw that coming, even though that was a pretty decent matchup. Um, but, you know, I w- wanted to be the first one that beat them. Unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards. But I'm glad another top team beat them. We, however, went on to play in the third place game, the Arizona Wildcats, another program that is perennially a power. And probably not up to their, at least at the beginning of the season, their namesake at least. Um, but Auburn was able to get the victory 73-57, to 57, pulling away at the end. This was a very close game throughout the entire game. It was quite scary at some times. But um, going into this game, Clint, how confident were you? You know, decently confident. I, f- I really felt that Auburn was going to leave Hawaii with two victories wasn't really a fan of the 11:30 p.m. eastern time tip off but <laughs> you 
you know, so I had a lot of time to, to think about this and, and think about how badly I should have taken a nap beforehand. <laughs> and, but, you know, I, I thought, you know, again, this is a really good program name, maybe not the best team that they've ever fielded, but, you know, it's, it, it, it's really like what we talked about a couple of years ago when Auburn beat Oklahoma exactly. and UConn back to back, you know, it, it's really not so much about the te- the quality of the team as it is the um, respect of the name at this point. And, you know, we're going to get out of that soon enough, but, you know, beating, beating an Arizona team handily, I think is a, is a really big deal for, again, what Auburn has had to deal with the last 15 years. And this is not a bad Arizona team by any stretch of the imagination. They have a lot of good players. I mean, Randolph gave us all we could ask for. Every time he stepped on the court, it felt like he was making another three. 18 points yeah. in the game. I honestly thought he had more. And most of it wasn't Auburn's fault. They would get a hand in his face, and he would just knock down some three-pointers. So credit goes to him. Um, I mean, and it was only foul trouble that kept him off the court. Yeah. I mean, he finished the game with four fouls, and only played 27 minutes, so they still pushed him a little bit harder than you know most teams probably would. Right, and I wonder what this game would have resulted in had they not been in so much foul trouble. I, I still feel confident that Auburn would have won, but as hot shooting as Randolph was, it would have been a lot closer and a little bit more interesting towards the end of this game. You know, Auburn, you look at kind of the point spread throughout the entire game. Auburn got 28 points in the first half, 22 for Arizona, and then 45 for Auburn in the second half, only 35 for Arizona, result, resulting in the 73-57 to 57 win here. They shot a lot better from the field in this game, Clint, 54% uh, from the field, 30, uh, three-point land, 35%, and free throws, they just continue to be the bane of my existence this, this year, Clint, 67%. <laughs> you know, most people are like, hey, I'll take that, not for me, 80%, I think. Have we hit 80% at all this year? I don't think so. I'm very disappointed in this. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get over it. This is I've become spoiled now, Clint. We be- almost beat Duke, and here I am complaining about free throws. Oh, boy. What a first-world problem you are. First-world problem for a college basketball fan. Okay, again, a couple other stats here to look at. Point differentials. Points off of turnovers. Auburn 24 Arizona 8. I think this is going to be a common theme here where you're going to see Auburn probably win the the rebound battle a little bit more than you're used to. Um, last year was an exception to the rule. I think that's going to be a more consistent theme here. They did that here as well, 30-25. to 25. But points off of turnovers, the defense on this team looks outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say it almost every episode how much I love a good defensive team. And the Sovereign team is not going to be a frustrating team to watch like they have been in previous years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna bother you, and they're gonna play tough, and and they're gonna swarm the ball after the shot goes up, which again we haven't seen in many years. I I remember just two or three years ago watching five players outside the arc watch a, a ball land in the paint with nobody <laughs> within ten feet, and you don't see that anymore, especially with guys like Malik Dunbar who just come out of nowhere and grab the ball. And and it's it's a lot of fun to watch, yep. and you, it's it's going to be tough to to beat this Auburn team this season. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Malik Dunbar. He had probably one of his better games of the season here with 15 points overall, six for seven from the field. Um, again, he was in a little bit of foul trouble. Again, he fouled out last game, 
uh, four here is oh, excuse me, I had that backwards. I was looking at somebody else, but regardless, a great game by Malik Dunbar. Um, I think he's part of the reason you're seeing another uptick in defense, which has already been good for Auburn under Bruce Pearl. But I want to give praise, but also criticism to another player, and the praise is for Samir Doughty. That defensive man is just. He's outstanding. He just zooms in there and just takes the ball away from point guards at times. And I don't know how he does it. He's so quick, Clint. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that you you compliment Samir because I think he had a terrible weekend in, in Hawaii. Yeah. And I think he fouled out in like eight minutes on the court against Duke. Yep. And granted, I think he was getting picked on in a couple of those and they weren't warranted for the for the whistle, but you know, I think He's still playing with the mentality of a freshman at times. You know, yep. he having to sit out last year and um, where was he before? Uh, VCU. Yeah, so you know he's, he wasn't. He's not gotten a whole lot of playing time, and and it's starting to show against these top teams. And you know, I love that Coach Pearl is leading him in as a starter. That just shows what he sees in him, talent wise. Yeah, but he really, really struggled to get anything going offensively, defensively, trying to stay out of foul trouble. I mean, even coming off, you know, fouling out super early against Duke, still had three fouls against Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, you've already brought the point, and we're trying not to get on a harping session here, but it's hard to stay out of foul trouble when you've got someone like TV Teddy on the uh, refing crew there. Uh, Teddy Valentine is a notorious person in college basketball. and. He was here, Clint. He was definitely there, and his presence was definitely felt. Yep. Like I like I questioned <laughs> why why do you bring him on with his reputation for again the top early season tournament because it's just, TV Teddy. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more about where these guys come from and how they're hired on for these games or anything because right. it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, but again, like you said. Not a great tournament for Samir Daddy, but you definitely see why he stays in the starting lineup because of how much of a threat on a defensive standpoint he is. And he can shoot the ball pretty well most times, too, but nobody shot the ball super well as a whole in this game. All in all, Clint, I will take it. Bruce Pearl said it when they walked into Maui Invitational. We have to come out of here with two wins, and that's exactly what they got. Not only that, but they got two wins over two decent teams and I would go a little bit further and say good teams probably I'd say Arizona is probably a better team they got really good wins for their resume out of this and showed the world made a statement against Duke that we're here so for me this tournament was a huge success for Auburn hey and you'll be happy with this I got a prediction right you did look at you (laughs) I said Auburn needed to come away and I expected Auburn to come away with two victories in this tournament and you know, I think it came the best way possible. These are three, like we've been saying, these are three of the best programs in college basketball. And Auburn went to overtime for the first time this season. They pulled away from Xavier. They fought Duke, the best team in the country, to the bitter end, even after digging themselves and digging themselves out of a pretty big hole. And then they just pounded Arizona after, you know, letting them hang around and they finished a game. You know, those are those are three completely different ways to play a basketball game 
and you know to find a way to win minus that Duke game. And you know I think that's just these are the kind of experiences you want your team to go through, and it's best early on in the season where yep. ultimately you don't have much to lose. Auburn had nothing to lose in this tournament, regardless of what team they got paired up with, solely off of RPI and the quality of these team names. And, you know, if Auburn still lose to Duke, I'd much rather it be November 21st <laughs> right. than April 2nd. Yeah, that, that loss to the number one team definitely looks a lot better earlier on than it would, say, in a tournament later down the line there. Uh, but I'm, like I said, very happy with the performance in this tournament. We didn't ask these questions like we normally do at the beginning of the games just because we had to move on. Was this a complete tournament? I would say no just because of some of the struggles we had. But in terms of being happy with the outcome of it, definitely very happy and i'm excited for us to hopefully be invited back there someday soon and maybe you you know clint you and i could just go and relax on the beach a little bit and hey we didn't even talk about it clint how about that commentating in the arizona game Uh, don't you want to go hang out with bill walton oh my gosh you know there were times that i was like you know what i just want to get in the in the mind of this man and then there were other times i was like no no i don't want to be in that that mind at all i i don't think you could be in that mind without diving into some illegal activity. <laughs> and he admitted as such on live TV, didn't he? <laughs> uh, kind of. <laughs> he alluded to it, at least. Let's just say that. He you loves know, Maui, Clint. Are you sure? oh, I just gosh. want you to know that. He loves Maui. Maui, Wowie, Okiki, Chuma. Yeah. No, it's... These are the kind of games that are just a lot of fun Twitter-wise. You know, Auburn Twitter and Auburn After Dark were, were really entertaining. Again, this was an 11:30 Eastern Time tip-off, and the the quotes that came out of Bill Walton's mouth were just spectacular. And I know a lot of people got really annoyed with him. And if the game was any tighter, I probably would have as well. But you know, it was it just had the feel of you know Auburn versus a nobody team with somebody just having a good time. <laughs> and <laughs> You know, if this was Auburn Duke and it's a six point game, I I don't want that. But I can definitely see the appeal and the annoyance of Bill Walton. And man, I just I'm going back through and looking at some of the quotes. Um Don't do it, Clint. That's a slippery slope to go down. Don't do it. Come back over here. <laughs> Kyle, do you do you love your dentist? Do you love your teeth? I do. Oh man. I just <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so much, it's so entertaining. <laughs> it's, it, it's a really slippery slope to be going down there. We better bring it back up here before we go much further. And needless to say, I, I did get annoyed with him at times, but I can see the value in certain situations by having such a comedic uh, performance in terms of commentating there. I've heard a lot worse. I did have to listen to Gary Danielson, you know, slobber all over Tua today in the Iron Bowl. So, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd rather take Bill Walton and his uh high um, impersonation or his high commentating over that any day of the week. Uh, but well, all right. ha- happy everything forever happy, to you. Happy everything forever. Speaking of happy everything forever, that's what we hope we can say after trying to segue things here. <laughs> uh, not not a very good one. <laughs> Tried my best here, bringing it in. You know, I'm, I'm feeling like Walton now. Auburn's next game is going to be against St. Peter's Peacocks. Never yes. in my mind did I think I would be saying those words because I 
had no clue there was a St. Peter's, and I had no clue there was a team that had Peacocks as their master, or as their, ma- as their mascot. Their See, I told you, I'm Bill Walton now. Um, oh, but, yeah, so that's the next game here. Strategic scheduling, I think, by Coach Bruce Pearlhill, knowing he's com- probably coming off some very tough games, and obviously the travel aspects of it. And I, I Brilliant scheduling on his part. I think Auburn is pretty much going to run over this team. They're 1-4 on the year with... Um, losses to Delaware, uh, Bryant, NC State, North Texas, uh, NC State being their best opponent so far, who we'll see, ironically, uh, later on in the season. They only have a win against Lafayette. I, Clint, I, I hate saying it, and I hate being overconfident, but I don't really feel threatened about the outcome of this game. Is it just because they're the Peacocks? You know, I want to say it is because of their mascot, but it's more about the name and that I wasn't aware that they were a school. Until about five minutes ago. <laughs> well, do you do you even know where St. Peter's University is located? Well, let me see if I can do it without little... without cheating. How, what do you consider cheating, though, Clint? Because I know you're on your computer and you're not answering me, so you're cheating. No, I'm just looking at who else is in the standings of the MAAC, and based on Niagara, Manhattan, I would say they're in the Northeast. Well, yes, they're in the <laughs> Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Well, they're you... based out of Jersey City, New Jersey, and. They have a first-season head coach, Shaheen Holloway. So, yeah, so St. Peter's is a small school. They've only got about 3,500 students. Um, but, you know, it's, it's what you get. Their, their basketball arena can barely fit all of their total students. Um, they, <laughs> they seat 3,200 people. But, yeah, I mean, this is just one of those teams, um, you know, all, uh, Coach Pearl mentioned for – uh, one of the earlier games, I think it was Lincoln Memorial that, or no, it was um, Mississippi College that he had a lot of trouble finding a quality RPI opponent for that game slot. And I think this might be a factor of that kind of thing as well. Um, couldn't find a quality um, stat boosting, RPI boosting team the following week after three really tough games. So this is to get the leads back under the team and just to, to fight on through uh, the last couple of weeks of the semester and into uh, Christmas break. Well, here's the thing, too. If you kind of look at some stats here, I, I'm looking at one big glaring thing uh, for St. Peter's Peacocks, and that's points allowed. According to ESPN, they're allowing 80 points per game, which is tied for 305th overall in all of college basketball. Um, so that being said, with Auburn and their ability to score – on their home court, especially things don't look good for the Peacocks. They're not going to, it's going to be colorful for Auburn, but not for them. <laughs> really bad puns. <laughs> a really bad pun. You know, I try um, my best here. Does, does Auburn hit a hundred points this game? I think so. So this would, that would mean it's Auburn's third hundred point game. It doesn't it this season, this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That would be the third one. I believe in, I, I think it, they're going to be hard pressed not to get at least very close to that with 80 points allowed by, St. Peter's on average this year. I, I think it's a high likelihood. Um, if you want somebody to keep an eye on, Devontae Turner, their guard, he's scoring 19.5 points per game, so that's quite a bit, um, and 4.2 assists per game there as well. So you might want to pay attention to him in terms of being their impact player, but this should be a win for Auburn. I have, The bigger question I have for you whether Auburn will win this game, Clint, is when the rankings come out at the beginning of this week, with the loss to Duke, but the performance of Auburn overall, do you see Auburn being ranked higher or lower than eight when they face the Peacocks? 
It, it's hard to answer that without knowing how the rest of the top ten performed. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Auburn has earned their eighth spot in the country. And at the very least, I think they might move up one. You know, I think I think they've definitely earned their respect the way they played this week. Yeah. And, and it'll show in the rankings. I would be willing to concede a a one space rise in the rankings or fall. And I'd, I'd still be hard pressed, but I, I agree completely with you. We're, we're in really agreeance tonight, Clint, about this, which is really shocking. I don't like it. I don't like it either, Clint. I, you know, I'm Bill Walton. I'm feeling friendly. I love everybody. I love my dentist. So I love you too, apparently. <laughs> Who are you? I, my name's Kyle and I have problems. Um, but yeah, Thank I do. Thank you think... world for our lives. <laughs> I do think Auburn should at least keep their eight spot. Whether they rise, it's hard to say. I, I feel like you're going to see them stay put or maybe fall back one, and I'm okay with it at this point. Nonetheless, we'll be paying attention to how Auburn does against St. Peter's, and we'll be watching to see if they hit that century mark again. We'll be back to talk to you guys about this game. Um, and until then, uh, where can they find us, Clint? They can find me on uh, Twitter, at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com. That's all we have for you in this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?